Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. What follows is a conversation about the greater reset. Is it greater or is it the same thing? Anyway, it's a conversation about Alice McDowell, Derek Bros, and a lot of other players involved in the greater reset. Enjoy. And I have my friend here with me today. Uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about the greater reset. Uh, my friend's done some research on, I think, probably both sides of the debate. So basically, d- the debate seems like, you know, crypto or, or throw it all into the ocean, basically, I guess. But yeah. it's a little bit deeper than that. So tell, tell us a little bit about what's going on with this greater reset stuff. Actually, I find it really interesting that you said throw it into the ocean because what I'm going to get into it has uh, has to do with uh, more than just blockchain versus not blockchain. Um, oh. Actually, involving like um, charter cities out in mm-hmm. the ocean, funded by Peter Thiel. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, Why well, so, is this yeah. like making her uh, remind me of Ghislaine Maxwell with her her Terramar? Is it Terramar? Yes, Ter- Terramar, thank you. Yes, yeah. I was trying to remember the name of that organization. And they were buying all that stuff in the ocean, right? Ocean futures as well. Right, yeah, because, I mean, where, where can you get away with stuff? Like, where is there no laws in place whatsoever? I mean, the middle ocean. Of the ocean, right? It's pretty obvious, yeah. So, so anyways, but let's, let's start um, Rewind, at the yeah. of all this because I kind of fell into a rabbit hole and uh, I really, I wish I could, I wish I had done more research on these other people because there's tons of people involved in this greater reset project, but mm-hmm. just sticking with a few people for the time being, um, Brandon Wallace, okay, Brandon Wallace, John Bush, uh, Derek Bros, and, um, and uh, Kenny uh, Pallard, uh, Power in power in that's Tana. the Splinterlands guy, right? The Splinterlands guy, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I kind of so I, I'm gonna start with Kenny actually because I have the least to say about him, and just we'll just it'll just get progressively crazier as we go along. Um, because <laughs> so Kenny wrote wrote this rebuttal piece um, against Allison McDowell. Mm-hmm right? And he just, he acts like it's the craziest thing in the world for her to suggest that um, Splinterlands is sort of a form of child labor and has to do with UN Agenda 21. Um, And it's just, it's it's really interesting. So like he goes through and tries to respond to all this stuff. And again, like you share the same concerns that I have about, um, you know, children and women and like some of the things that Derek Rose said that he tweeted or whatever that was in uh, Allison's presentation about kids and their ability to give consent and being sovereign children being are sovereign, sovereign beings. So, you know, that's, that's a really disturbing thing in and of itself. And in this mm-hmm. rebuttal piece, he says, um, he, he, he says, quote, I don't believe that, quote, adulthood, so adulthood in quotation marks, or critical thinking, or the ability to take responsibility for one's actions is as simple as an arbitrary age chosen by the state. Now, you can, like, make the argument that the, the state and their rules are arbitrary, but you can't for argue sure. that adulthood 
is <laughs> arbitrary or like a concept, you know, just it's not a real thing or like that the ability to take responsibility doesn't correlate with one's age. Yeah, developmental <laughs> stuff doesn't exist. Not yes. at all. We're all yes. the same no matter what, four or 54. Right, right. So it's like, that's, that's, a, little, that's a little disturbing. Um, and then I also, so Kenny is like really sketchy because he had a Telegram channel that was deleted for some reason. Like, I don't know if it was there before, but I tried to like, I clicked on the link to it and I couldn't find it. And then it was linked from his Odyssey page. And actually, so I wanted to pull up this video he made where he talks about being a septillionaire uh, in some form of crypto. I forget which uh, token it was. What is a sept, um, was that nine something? What is that? I don't even, yeah, a lot, right? Okay. So, so like, and so I'm just like, okay, well, it makes it real. First of all, it makes it real easy for you to be this like backpacking anarchist, whatever the fuck you are. <laughs> um, when, when you just hold all of this crypto, that's just a ton of money. Like, it's so easy to, be, you know, because all these people are like, oh, like, come exit and build with us. Like, Derek yeah, the Robert, class like, always sort of strikes out at uh, eventually, where you're like, yeah, I'm not able to do any of these things, bros. <laughs> like, let's come to Mexico and our intentional community, and we'll do yoga together. It's just like, you know, this guy, this guy's like from fucking Portland. This guy, Kenny. I like. Okay, I already know enough about the anarchist community in Philadelphia. Like, I can yeah. only assume that it's way worse. <laughs> way, way worse. Oh, no. Like, as far, especially, like, kids giving consent and that oh, sort of yeah. stuff. Like, you know how it is with the trans stuff out there. It's, like, really extreme. Like, the misogyny and everything in the anarchist community is, like, insane. Mm -hmm. like, totally. So, anyways... Yeah, that guy Kenny just seems like a total asshole. Like, I don't know. And it's like, he has, he clearly has incentive to go in, like, he's going into these, in, into these communities in Mexico and, like, teaching kids how to, like, learn crypto and um, use gaming to make money, like, making money through Splinterlands. And it's just, like, it's just, I don't want, honestly, the last person that I want teaching kids to do anything is someone that thinks an adulthood is, like, an arbitrary thing. Like that, right. and I think going into that. these like impoverished communities, which they, you know, Bill Gates calls, you know, unbanked or under, these are the same plans that Bill Gates has to go into these places that the World Banks aren't in yet, and say, oh no, they're underserved, you know, they don't have currency or whatever, so we'll give them like crypto. It's the same uh, scheme. Uh, right. And it's the same stuff that they were doing with these foundations I found out. Um, I have a link I can share with people. But yeah, these are the same plans, basically, to go into what they call unbanked communities. Basically, they don't have the central bank's control over, right? And introduce crypto. And I'm not even saying that crypto is a bad thing. But right. I think offering people, it's like... It is. It's child labor. I totally agree with Allison there. Right. And just the idea that like, oh, you know, it's is like Derek Bros is like, oh, is it so radical to, to suggest that like <laughs> sovereign beings and can make their own decisions? And, what a crazy thing to say, I thought. That sounded crazy to me. I was like, um Radical. Radical to what? The, like Right. Right. It doesn't sound so radical to me. It sounds like early 20th century, you know, kids working in factories. Like, I don't, 
I mean, look, like how different is it? I mean, they're sitting on a computer and it's like, why children should not be using this technology whatsoever. It's really harmful to like their mm -hmm. brains and their bodies. And like, it, it, there's no reason that they should even be looking at a screen, much less playing games for money. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, and so says they like go in and they give them all these things too, like a counselor and all this stuff basically to induct them into what she calls the CIA's video game. Which yeah. Sounds pretty accurate to me. I would have to agree. Totally. Um, yeah, it just, and it's like his only excuse, Derek's only excuse is that, oh, well, you know, they're impoverished. And it's like, okay, that doesn't mean anything. Like, that does not mean that. So you know, shouldn't we teach them, like, shouldn't we go into impoverished communities and help them get, like, I don't know, running water and, like, food and right, teach them exactly. skills to build their communities the same way you would want to build your silly community out there in Mexico or whatever he's doing? Like, what, wouldn't that be more productive for those communities instead of being weird vultures that, like, kind of go in and, because it just sounds very vampiric to me. Yeah, I would have to agree. And that was, that was exactly like the point I wanted to make is that there's like, the, the, they have much bigger problems, you know, that, that needs to be addressed. And it's sort of like here in the United States, even with kids being so absorbed in these games, that they're not even aware of what's going on around them. And I think that that's really dangerous, you know, and it's really easy to get swept up in video games, like kids that are in abusive households mm -hmm. and need to escape, you know, so it's like, you're in this really dangerous like neighborhood you don't have clean water but like you can fall into this game and just get lost in it like that seems like that seems really dangerous because then these kids are going to grow up and like what are they going to contribute to their communities or will they only contribute things to this like metaverse you know yeah basically like these communities and i just don't feel like these skill sets would be valuable like i and they're only valuable to the new technocratic future right the new metaverse and so this is my point. This is what I was thinking of. It's very interesting. I think Allison has also made this point that there's this idea that you can use this technology that has been developed by the war machine, powers that be, et cetera, to, but we can use it better, right? Like the greater right. reason, we can take this technology, we could use it better. We, we decentralize it, we're, we're doing good things with it. And so there's a kind of interesting idea there where it's like, well, can you really liberate yourself with technology that was created by a, you know, war industrial complex, basically? Right. Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, yeah, to be honest, like I have, I don't have a fully formed opinion on blockchain. Mm -hmm. Like I, I own some crypto myself, but like, really, I mean, after looking into all this stuff, I feel compelled to just sell all of it because it just doesn't it doesn't sit well with me and even the decentralized uh blockchain networks it seems like so those revolve around something called smart contracts now i'm not very again i'm not very educated on this but this is my understanding is that like you can form these smart contracts wherein essentially um you won't you wouldn't have any rulers if you will you wouldn't have any mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't have it would eliminate the need for politicians because you set up the contract and then everyone has to just follow the, the smart contract but essentially would that not mean that the technology itself is in control you know mm -hmm. so that's kind of like a bigger question of like, do we want to be ruled by robots or whatever you know ai it's just like I, I i don't know i mean if you set it in motion and it works maybe but What's it really interesting? So I think this is a good place where I can segue into um, into this guy 
who was, uh, he has like top uh, secret security clearance. Uh, um, he's, so this is Br Brandon over here, Brandon Wallace, uh, okay. this, this guy who was a speaker at the Greater Reset as well. So I looked into his uh, LinkedIn and he was uh, an intelligence, he was in intelligence operations and information systems for the Air Force uh, from 2000 to 2008. Um, so he was an information warfare analyst, um, force protection intelligence analyst, and he worked for intelligence systems within the OSS, uh, rescue intelligence. So he did My that goodness. for, yeah, eight years. And then like pretty much everyone else who is in the military, he went into private contracting afterwards. So mm -hmm. he was only part of this organization, L3 Communications, for about seven months. Um, but it was, uh, he, he provided tailored intelligence products uh, to General David Petraeus, okay, who was, I believe, the director of the CIA around that time. Am I wrong? Like, at some point, maybe it was after this, he became director of the CIA. Um, so yeah, that was back in 2009. So I mean, look, people can change, sure, and he doesn't have anything uh, publicly noted about uh, being involved in any of those projects currently, you know, since 2009, but obviously somebody speaking at the Greater Reset or something like it uh, would not have any current involvement in any of that stuff because that would be like a huge red flag. You know, people would, that would be too easy to be, you know. So my, my theory is like perhaps these people are kind of, you know, underground agents or maybe again, maybe they really do think that they can use this technology for good, um, but it's just concerning like their backgrounds because there's mm -hmm. him and he so he has this thing called plan systems and uh, its tagline is a platform for the open metaverse and so it's just it's interesting because it's kind of unclear as to why this technology needs to exist in my opinion uh <laughs> seriously because here's here's the use case scenarios for this this software right um a resource starved inner city neighborhood uses plan to organize a shared community garden announce social events track the availability of home improvement tools and be the logistical hub for a neighborhood watch. Like, I just don't understand why blockchain and building a metaverse, which essentially I guess is like a map of the community can be useful for anything other than spyware. Because why do you need, why do you need the technology to announce social events? Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. Like you don't actually need any technology for that. You can write that on a piece of paper. So, and it uses like all these, you know, examples that just sound lovely, like an off-grid farming community uses an interactive land map to create a shared seasonal calendar. Hey, how is it off-grid if they're using this technology? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't yeah, understand. Exactly. Yeah, and so, and the, the interesting thing is too, is that they have like an interest in international affairs as well and going into um, again, impoverished communities and so forth. And it's a nonprofit. It's set up as a nonprofit. So you can make a donation. One of the donation tiers they have is 25 grand. I just want to know, like, you know, who other than an investor with their own sort of like, I don't know, ideas and agendas in mind would donate that much money to an organization like this. You know what I mean? And it's like, they, they, they have in their, um, their planning book that um, they would accept donations or they accept donations from government institutions and you know companies and basically anyone that wants to give them money. So it's like, I mean, I haven't looked into who exactly is giving them money, but this guy, Brandon Wallace is the president, right? And then there's this guy, uh, Jeff Gerard, who's secretary and Andrew O'Mara, the board member. 
And these guys are also, also have very interesting backgrounds. So O'Mara was a nuclear submarine officer for five years. Um, and he also had top secret security clearance. Wait, who else <laughs> knows how to uh, drive a submarine? Just Lane Maxwell. Sorry. Yeah, that's a good point too. <laughs> too much. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. And so, and this, this other guy, Jeff Garrard, was actually worked for CNN for 10 years. Um, for like six years in Atlanta as a producer and then for four years I guess oh yeah also also in Atlanta so as a senior manager <laughs> so like you know he he recruited hired managed editorial design blah 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 he did all this stuff it's like okay that's just really interesting again like that was like 20 years ago that he worked for CNN and then I think more recently um, he's been working for this company called Blackbaud, which uh, seems to be sort of a logistics software sort a of A lot thing. of it's logistics, Salesforce. yeah. Yeah, but Salesforce also had that scandal, like getting caught up in, in that sex trafficking scandal as well. So yeah, it's just, it's really unsettling to have a combination of these people, like just acting like, oh, like age is just a number and blah, blah, blah. Like what's doing and, you know, teach these children crypto. And then alongside that is people that have the logistics to, logistical knowledge to actually like kidnap people if they really wanted to like literally right. uh, like, like literally like so how does this <laughs> tie into the the ocean and peter Thiel? okay so so that's kind of that's that's a next little part farther off here yeah i mean i guess i don't have much else to say about about planned systems um mm -hmm. this is something that yeah allison sort of she put in her presentation um so yeah, I guess I guess we can move on to Peter Thiel because this is this is where it gets really in, like really interesting. I could not. Yeah, my, I want to say. Mind, oh, go ahead. Your mind's what, blown. What? Yeah, mind's but I. <laughs> I wanted to say though that anyone who hasn't seen that presentation with Allison, the one I believe I sent you and I sent you the slides to, this explains very well, you know, her point of view, and I believe she's right. I think the thing with Allison is that she's really authentic and uh, she cares about these topics and she's going to share the information. It's all about information sharing with her. I think that's really, um, she has a lot of integrity that way. And these, these bigger sort of gatekeepers like Derek Bros or Whitney Webb, they're, you know, they have to talk trash because they don't have an argument against this woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, she's like just one person. She publishes her research. It's much easier to see how she's just a regular person. Like Derek Rose is on this like celebrity tour across the country, like speaking at all these different places. Like no one really has the resources to do that. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, again, unless you're like a crypto investor like Kenny, like you really can't just go around doing that. Um, I don't know. And like, I know some people that feel differently about it and really feel like he's genuine and all this stuff. But again, mm -hmm. like, if he's genuine, then he, he is like, he, he, he is um, at best, like, I don't know, grossly um, misguided, I would say. Like, I don't know. That's, that's Anyone that says something like children are sovereign, it's just not going to fly with me. And I just, oh, I, I think that mentality is really creepy. And I think, I wonder, uh, this is speculative, but I, I often wonder with people like this, like, what happened? Did something happen to you? Like, so I don't want, I just want to leave it there on that because I don't have any evidence or anything like that to, but it's just something I think, like, why would you say something like that unless you wanted to like creep on kids? Like, 
Yeah. You know, maybe something happened to you where, I don't know, you're doing like a cycle of abuse situation. Who knows? I don't. But so, yeah, I just don't think they have a very good argument at all uh, against what she's bringing forth. And I, you know, I've had conversations like this with other people. I'm like, is this even sustainable? Like, is this technology even sustainable at all? I don't feel like it is. Yeah, no, I, I kind of doubt it. And actually, um, I just want to touch on two really quickly before we get into uh, Peter Thiel and yeah. all that stuff. Um, so I have Derek's Brooke, uh, the, <laughs> Derek's book where he discusses, um, it's, uh, it's called how to opt out of the technocratic state. Okay. And most of it's kind of, uh, this is the biggest critique I have of Derek actually is the fact that he seems to just compile information from other people. And I don't really see where he's done any genuine, like original research because a lot of these people talking about Jean-Luc Burnell and Epstein mm. and all this other stuff, you know, that comes from people like memory hold that are just digging in there and like finding stuff. And, and you can tell these people are genuine. They have like schedules, they have lives outside of this stuff. It's like anyone that's devoting their, life full-time of this stuff I really have to question like where their money is coming from first of all but like beyond that again it's like it just seems like gatekeeping like you said because I mean like how how is he just how is he just going on this celebrity tour and just doing all this stuff and and nothing he says really again I can find all that information elsewhere like there's nothing that he's said that I found that really Mm -hmm. seems seems original and to that note like this book um is actually quoted like most of this book is uh, the work of this libertarian called um, or named Samuel Konkin. He died, I think like around a decade ago mm-hmm. um, where he, so he takes the work of this guy and uses it, um, I guess, as a way to uh, explain how to opt out of the technocratic state. But it's really, it's really unclear as to some of how some of this stuff relates to that because I'll give you, okay. And I'll give you an example again on the human trafficking note. Um, this is, and so this is, I believe, either Derek's words or it was someone else. Again, it's like a lot of people compiling information. Like he has an introduction by someone else, I think, too. So it's like, it's like he's just the name of this brand. It's like, wh- who, where's this information even coming from? Um, but it says, in the notes to his unfinished chapters, quote, smuggling counter-economics and, quote, human counter-economics, um, uh, Konkin mentions the Underground Railroad and its example of people smuggling. And he writes, smuggling peoples introduced uh, to be used in the humor counter, human counter economics chapter. So it's, it's kind of arguing that there's a difference between smuggling voluntarily and involuntary human trafficking. And I just don't think that that's really, what? I think that there's, there's a lot of gray area there, you know, in, in reality, because there's a lot of people, you know, who's to say it's like, it's not really an equal choice, let's say, if you have to move to the United States or be smuggled across the border from Mexico because your family is starving. Like, first of all, that's not really like an equal choice. And you can also easily fall into a situation that you didn't choose. So I, I just don't think that that's really, I think there's a lot of gray area with that. Um, so just this whole, this whole concept of, oh, it's okay to smuggle people. It's okay to have all this counter, as long as it, it's an, it's a counter economic activity. Again, as long as there's consent, right? That's like the word of the day. As long as it's consensual, then it's totally fine. <laughs> Right? I mean, it's just really fucked up. And yeah, I remember, but like, once there's, like, the the kind of uh, thread of, like, monetary stuff over your head, et cetera, there's no consent there. 
Right, exactly. So there's just this whole idea of like, oh, there's a difference between, you know, consensual smuggling and human trafficking. It's just like, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous That's to me. That's dark. Um, yeah, and I remember reading this for the first time being like, huh, okay, that's a little, like, this is strange, uh, but now it's, like, really coming to focus, and then the other example that it brings up is, um, free trade zones at airports, and it uses the example of Roman Polanski, who oh, no. was subject to arrest on site in the United States, landed at Los Angeles International, and took off again en route from France to Tahiti, and it says he was not molested, interesting choice of words, though he wisely remained on the plane throughout. Such areas of free trade are hardly the result of the state benevolence or laxity. Should a state eliminate such boons to trade, another state in the international anarchy will offer the service and increase the share of business. So again, like there's not really any morals here. It's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> look, here's, here's another way in which, I mean, to me, this isn't an argument for agorism or for um you know free trade this this would be an argument against it the fact that like you know in this free trade zone like pedophiles can get away with escaping to other countries like to me that's not a bonus like that's not helping your argument why would they why even would they bring up roman polanski because he was subject to arrest but they couldn't touch him because it was a free it was a free trade zone so it's like but it just seems like such a weird analogy what i aren't yeah. there other examples yeah so that was that was again like that was a quote from samuel conkin but again okay. it's like if i was if i was going to be compiling this information you know and quoting another person personally i wouldn't feel comfortable just leaving that as it is like i would at least put a footnote in there and be like look i don't endorse human trafficking like do you know what i mean um if i was going to include that in a book that you know i wrote so it's just kind of like, I, I wouldn't just leave it like that unless I endorsed it myself. Do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. um, you can quote people that you don't agree with. But again, it's like, what, what is the context for this again? Um, and yeah, and so it, it says, it says in another place, it says counter-economic labor marketing benefits both employer and employee cutting across class lines. Uh, the black laborers of Italy usually receive lower wages, put in longer hours and have no social security or other fringe benefits, but they pay no taxes. So it's like, Oh, well, they pay no taxes, so it's great, right? It just it benefits both the employer and the employee and the, and the employees. Like, I'm pretty sure these guys hanging out at gas stations, like looking for, um, you know, these guys that don't have any identification and can't get any other job because uh, they've been smuggled across the border, just like wanting uh, to help uh, rich people. I don't know, build a fence or something, like hanging out at the shell station. I'm pretty sure that they're not in a better place than like an American citizen who can actually apply for a real job just because they're not paying taxes on that like that's just it just Whatever, that's such a yeah sometimes i guess it's a libertarian situation they have some of the most ridiculous arguments yeah like, it literally says like counter economics in italy lowers labor costs give them a flexible workforce and enables them to require employees to work overtime when needed i'm like okay overtime so like you know sweatshops and so forth it's just like ew. I just, down anyone could make an argument for this, this so point. derek is using this man's work in in this book and just basically just dumping it in there right um, so it's quoted from samuel conkin um, right but yeah it's like and so i'm like wait i how how exactly is this gonna free me from like surveillance technology like can we get back to that part um it's not it's so it seems so counter 
uh, like I said, I feel like in their minds, maybe these people feel like they can take this stuff and do it better somehow, right? They can take these oppressive systems and do them better. <laughs> that doesn't sound better. So right. I, right. Don't, I don't know. I don't know really? what the mindset is there. That's not something I can agree with. Yeah, voluntary, I voluntarily. Voluntary. <laughs> oh, voluntary. I, volu I volunteered myself to be smuggled because I have no other choice. Right. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's um it's it's really it's really interesting, yeah, the libertarian angle of this because Peter Thiel also likes mm -hmm. to call himself a libertarian. Yes, um, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so and it's just it's and it's interesting so essentially like he's trying to create a real estate project out in the ocean and also in impoverished countries that can't uh don't have the resources to stand up to these people uh you know or kind of like bill gates like vacant lots of land in like the middle of nowhere just you know trying to squeeze out every last piece of land to be colonized um that's, as if that's that didn't weird. happen already with like agenda 21 <laughs> Right, right. So Peter Thiel and, you know, as the um, founder of Palantir, it's it's like, okay, so this guy that, that made this like CAA front company, spyware company, um, yeah, this is the guy that you want funding your revolution because, so he, he, um, yeah, how is he connected? Tell me okay, how you so, got to Peter Thiel. Yeah, so he's funding the Seasteading Institute and, um, John Bush, who is a part of the Greater Reset, he uh, actually is one of the founders of Freedom Cells, along with Derek Bros, which I think is at this point probably just a glorified email list to get people out on these uh, alternative communities that turn into independent government structures owned by corporations. Um, John Bush, so he gave a talk at the Seasetting Institute, uh, I guess with them, uh, about governance and so he's um and he also funds he also sponsors Derek Rose's content uh with his company Brave Botanicals which is featured on his site mm -hmm. so like these people are all sort of economically intertwined and so he, he doesn't seem like he's a big he's a big man on this um this seasetting institute but the seasetting institute is actually owned by Patrick Friedman the grandson of Milton Friedman <laughs> And um, again, he started this institute with half a million dollars from Peter Thiel, and it's since he's given him more than that. Like I found another article that was like 1.24 million. So there's a whole lot of money being put into stuff. And Patrick Friedman is a uh, self-proclaimed transhumanist. Uh, he's gonna him and his wife have arranged to be uh, cryonically preserved after their legal death. Um, yeah, cryogenically. Yeah, like cryogenically. Yeah. The rumor about Disney, uh, which is totally false, but yeah, that was a big thing of his too. Disney was, you know, right, right. Uh, so, but uh, it's not true. I don't believe that Disney is still alive or frozen somewhere. I don't believe that. But it was a huge rumor for a long time. So they want to be cryogenically frozen. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's what a lot of the transhumanists seem to want to do. And also, oh yeah, he also worked for Google for a while. Um, <laughs> And then he committed full time to, you know, the, the seasteading thing. Um, so but, what is it? What is seasteading? 
yeah so just building cities out in the ocean literally uh, okay um yeah which has been a dismal failure so far because like it's just it's really hard to do that i think just architecturally uh so they've kind of shifted i think to impoverished countries uh, instead like there was a there was a venture in um honduras that eventually i mean they basically went in and took advantage of this crisis in honduras and um they tried to like they actually amended their constitution in order to allow this private city to exist on a supposedly vacant plot of land which apparently some native people owned um <laughs> of course and so and so then, then thankfully Honduras uh, decided it was unconstitutional and kicked them out. Um, Good. So although it is still listed on this website called startupcities.org, uh, there's, there's a city in Honduras listed here. So I don't know if they were able to reinstate that or not. Um, but uh, Patrick Friedman is also on the board of, of this thing, the Startup Societies Network, and they list uh, Celebration Florida. So you mentioned Walt Disney. Uh, conceived and financed by the Walt Disney Company, celebrating with a master plan community located near Master Disney. Plan. Did you say Master Plan? Master planned. Uh, planned, right? The, right, right, right. Oh my God. Right, very, very UN Agenda Twenty One. You know, right. The the wording. Oh. So voting is restricted to landowning entities in Celebration Florida. So it just sounds great, doesn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the Cayman Islands Enterprise City, like all of this stuff listed here. Um, and then there's- uh, So these money, these people are connected to the Greater Reset by giving Derek Bros money. They're basically infusing that uh, so-called movement, which you call an email list, uh, cash, basically. I think so. Is that well, right? It's interesting. So there's like all these telegram channels that are offshoots of the greater reset. And um, there's like a freedom entrepreneurs thing. Like they're really trying to brand this like freedom movement. And um, there's, there's, I'm sure there's groups that are involved in like, Oh, exit and build exit and build because that's what Derek bros promotes. Like he has three different strategies. And this is also in his book, um, exit and build hold down the fort. And there's like one other, there's like one other one, but you're discouraged from holding down the fort, AKA continuing to live where you're currently living and trying to make it a better place. Um, you're discouraged from doing that and more encouraged to, you know, oh, go off the grid, like form an intentional community and all that sounds like lovely. <laughs> but again, it's like, it seems like a real estate opportunity for these people more than anything else. And, and, and you have to, we have to remember how we started the conversation. There is a class issue here. And I think the people who, you know, like Derek Bros and I think Whitney Webb, and I'm not discrediting her work whatsoever here, but I was really disappointed with her welcome uh, piece. Uh, that was, I thought, the things that they omit are very interesting. Um, there was some yeah. big, big omissions there to that piece. I thought she could have thrown in Fauci and, and the AIDS stuff and because welcome was highly involved. <laughs> you were there when we were, uh, looking at that stuff. And so to me, her reporting lacks, and it is sort of like interesting the the omission. And I think, you know, the way that these people operate versus like, let's say an Alice McDowell, 
is yeah, they do have resources already. Uh, Whitney comes from a family. She's able to do this already. Right. Basically, basically, you always have to keep class in mind when you're listening to people on the internet talk about freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, Derek, I mean, I, I don't know much about his background other than he, I, I know, apparently spent some time in prison for, like, meth-related reasons. Uh, I guess, like, yeah, he was, like, he was a drug addict, and he doesn't seem to come from any sort of money, um, so I, I don't know really. That makes it even more curious. It's really interesting, yeah, um, but I mean, again, I can't establish a direct payroll from Peter Thiel to Derek Bros. Right. The only thing I can establish is that John Bush from The Greater Reset, co-founder of Freedom Cells, you know, Derek Rose, also part of Freedom Cells. Uh, this guy is involved, the C-Setting Institute, which is funded by Peter Thiel. So he doesn't, uh, yeah, John it's Bush- It's not direct, but it's sort of there. It's like- implied. Yes, yeah. yes it's interesting and so I really you know again and it's just curious how Derek Rose is trying to start these communities in Mexico and that seems to be aligned in my opinion with what they're trying to do with this real estate stuff so that's where I see the connection again it's it's not it may not be direct but it mm -hmm. looks like their interests are aligned at the very least that's right and there and it seems to be antithetical to this sort of like back to the land where I think a lot of the people who sort of got involved in, like the people like maybe yourself or some friends of yours, or, you know, they want to create their own sustainable communities and they want to kind of go back to the land. And it seems like his project is, and Allison has also made this point, like is antithetical to these goals. Like they still want to use this, you know, um, basically, futuristic sort of technology to but the, like again we can do it in a more better way right like can you are right. you are you even because to me your goals look very similar to bill gates uh yeah exactly you know, when i read about blockchain and i read about uh how they want to go into these unbanked communities or whatever this is all bill gates stuff and i can definitely link it i have an article up here called blockchain and financial inclusion the role blockchain technology can play in accelerating financial inclusion because that's what they're called right we have to use inclusion right buzz buzzword and uh yeah that sounds good right we're including them in this horrible scheme that these world banks have cooked up for <laughs> oh god hundreds of years like oh, yeah. to me it just seems like another it's like a jump we're Allison's right in that way. We're like going through an economic paradigm shift. Um, yeah. And there, I just don't, I think it's, I think it's kind of, I don't know what to say. It just doesn't make sense to me. And the same way for her, which she was expressing in that live stream, which I recommend to anyone who's curious about this topic. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, like this whole trying to skirt over legality issues, and um, mm. it's it's really there's this one guy Paul Romer who was involved in the Honduras project, you know, Stanford professor, all that, and um, he he's quoted saying like never let a good crisis go to waste or something like something similar course, to that, yeah. and it's just interesting how all these people jumped in, like Freedom Cells really exploded with the COVID uh, stuff mm -hmm. happening. I mean, that's when I joined was um, 
back in like 2021, early 2021. Um, and that's when a lot of people were like, okay, like what else, what's out there? Because how can I form? Cause the idea of freedom cells is to form like, um, local community networks where you can exchange stuff with people. And so it's been really beneficial in that way, but also again, like it kind of, it kind of leads people into, I don't know, like a cult hive mind at the same time, or at least it has the potential to do so. So mm. it's like, you have all these people that really just want to form an intentional community and want to get back to the land and do all this stuff. But I can definitely see how um, this could be exploited and used for the means of, you know, these venture capitalists that, because literally all these people like Pronomus Capital, um, which is this venture capital fund, um, you know, fun funded by, by Peter Thiel, where Patrick Freeman sits on the board of, like all these people involved in this stuff are all investors, um, just people involved in like technology. And it's just like, I, I can't, um, yeah, like you said, I can't see how this stuff could be used for good. Like, I just don't understand why, you know, an entire community needs to be mapped out in order for these like local exchange networks to take place, you know? Yeah, it just or, seems like more panopticon bullshit to me. Right, and there's also the, the, the question of, you know, is that really the wisest decision to make or would it be to try to get involved locally and try and change the community in which you are from, you know? And there's people that maybe aren't going to wake up to your ideas until, you know, they get more information or they stop being afraid and, and so, you know, it kind of begs the question too of like, should you just kind of abandon that or, you know, try and just uh, only form communities of people that you agree with, you know? So, um, yeah. And, and well, and then there, yeah, then there's the divisiveness where, I mean, I guess they were trying to paint Allison as this person is like my way or the highway kind of thing. Um, right, but I, it seems like really she just, you know, she doesn't uh, think that unity is the most important thing. And I agree with her. What is the most important thing? No, I just, I agree with her that it's, it's like, cause people were like, oh, she's causing discord and conflict and strife. And it's like, well, here's the mm. thing. She's just giving information. So maybe yeah. she's being a little petty, like blocking people and stuff. I would love it if she would debate Derek. Um, and she won't do that. So I like, that was why initially when this stuff blew up, like I was kind of leaning towards Derek just because I didn't understand why she would react like that, you know, just in terms of a personality conflict, it's like, okay, I don't understand why you would just, you know, cut yourself off from that debate. But now particularly knowing that she's correct, it's like, why really though? Why, why would you not debate Yeah, her? She has all the information and she took down, I guess that Catherine Austin Fitz video that she did together they did together um so I don't know I I feel like she has a very strong uh sense of her own boundaries and to me I can respect that I you know right no I mean it's it's totally up to her like I could see why you know she wouldn't want to do that but I especially agree with the fact that yeah it's not really about unity you know people can make their own decisions and yeah, unless you're trying to start a cult, like unity shouldn't really be the most important thing. The most important thing is that you're standing in alignment with your values and mm. you're, you're doing things that, um, you know, are going to serve your community and not hinder it. Like adopting all this blockchain stuff, it seems like, okay, this could be kind of a slippery slope. Like this could kind of go downhill fast uh, if the wrong person is in the hands of this technology. So 
um, yeah, I agree. It's like, it's, it's, it's more important to let these disagreements be aired and yeah. less important to, you know, say, oh, well, you know, everyone is valid and all this stuff. Cause I mean, we all know where that goes. So <laughs> it goes um, to kids are sovereign, Derek bros. What the heck? Yeah, yeah. Why would you say that? Don't say things like that. Like, right. um, especially to the crowd of people who I assume there's a, a slight, you know, group that probably came over from all the Pizzagate stuff and like the Q stuff and like their their radars on on that kind of stuff are really high now like I don't know it just doesn't seem to behoove his cause and it does sound like to me when I read about Splinterlands and I read about them going into poor communities to teach kids how to play video games to mine crypto that sounds exploitative as all get out to me so right and it's just interesting it's like why are they not doing this in the united states you know um i would say probably because of stronger child protection laws and just probably. Yeah, like less poverty so it's just really interesting it's like well why wouldn't you why wouldn't you teach kids here like why do you have to go over there and it's because yeah it's it's a way to and their yeah. arguments don't make any sense. So I was reading, so back to Splinterlands for a second. Uh, this guy wants to make it sound like regular kids can't even do this. And they have to be like, I guess, teenagers or something. They have to be really good at math or something. And it's like, but it's marketed to children. None of their arguments stand up. None of their arguments hold water to me. Yeah, I would say the graphics, you know, they it looks kind of juvenile. I mean, I guess anyone can play video games, but I could see how the graphics would be um, marketed to a younger crowd. Like it just, it looks like some sort of- lizards and shit, isn't it? It's like weird, stupid card game. I looked at it. It's like, it's like you collect cards or something and there are these, I I don't even want to get into the esoteric implications. (laughs) <laughs> of yeah. splinterlands at all but like if you look at the cars that it's like all these little goblins and demons and things and you're like what what uh and Derek rose uh also positions himself as like a rapper although he's really bad at it like pretty much everyone know. agrees with that but his rapper name is 33 like no <laughs> can you i mean can you be any more transparent than that like i, I just it's amazing. Um, yeah. I like, I don't even like talking about that stuff anymore because people are like, you're a crazy person. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, why would they choose these stupid numbers all the time? Oh, okay. 33, 33 degree Mason. Great. Cool. Get the fuck out, dude. Like, right. I just can't. It's too much. So how, how would you, what so what did you find anything else out in your research that you want to mention to us um i don't think there's anything else like really of note um other than oh i did want to bring up the fact that peter thiel um back in 2017 was funding a shady offshore herpes vaccine trial so i i think um (laughs) I, i think I think that these, uh, it's, it's actually, the question of class is interesting because you could, on the one hand, you could have these rich people moving into these like very elegant uh, privatized communities. But on the other hand, uh, they could also serve as points for refugees to go to. Like people, because one of the arguments for charter cities is that, oh, like this person can't just 
you can't just immigrate to different countries and you have to go through all this paperwork. You have to have reasons. And like, wouldn't it be nice if you could just live in whatever country you wanted and you, and you wouldn't have to do any of that stuff? You wouldn't have to go through any of that legal stuff? Well, now you can because Coca-Cola, like just put in an application with them and then you can go live in that country. Like this guy, um, this, this, this guy, what's his face, was talking about, I'm sorry, Paul Romer was talking about I like, oh, well, wouldn't it be amazing? Like, people don't have the ability to move to different cities. And it's like, okay, well, let's say you're a carpenter. You can be a carpenter in Phoenix, Arizona, or you can be a carpenter in Richmond, Virginia. Like, you can go, like, what do you mean you can't, people can't move to different cities? People move to different cities all the time. It's like, maybe you can't move from one country to another without, like, some sort of citizenship process happening. But it basically is, like, removing the the um, boundaries that are set in place for citizenship processes, which I mean, I really can't think of anything better for the new world order either, because yeah, the one world government, like if you don't have citizenship to any sort of country, and it's just like, oh, well, you can choose and between this employer and that employer, and it's like, you'll have a whole city where it's owned by Google, and everyone works for Google that lives in the city. And so they, they frame it as like, well, you're gonna have a choice, though, you can, you can go to any city you want. It's like, okay, so it's like, I can choose to to live in the Google-owned city or the Coca-Cola-owned city. It's kind of like, that's, again, it's not, that's not really like a real choice. And, and then again, like this exploitation of poverty, this exploitation of, of refugees, um, I think is, is going to be huge. Like they're, they're using these, these crisis moments to kind of pivot people towards these ideas, you know, and think, oh, wow, the government is so messed up. Like, look how they handled COVID so horribly. You know, it'd be really nice to, moved somewhere else where you know we really get it and we're gonna establish these smart contracts and you know the blockchain is just gonna do all the work for us and we won't need these these nasty politicians and everything's gonna be great there's gonna be freedom and all this stuff and it just is like it's really shady when you have um you know this guy who owns this front company for the cia funding this stuff i mean it, it really like i could see them almost creating crises in other countries just to to fuel this refugee problem mm -hmm. just to just to move these people to these charter cities i could really see that happening um not just taking advantage of crises that are already in place but sort of you know um creating them in the first kind of reminds me of the turn of the century and all these towns that used to be basically that's the coal mining town that whole town is owned by the coal mining company you know and the only jobs that to be had in that town are the coal mining it's very, it's interesting how history sort of repeats itself with just sort of different, uh, like newer, um, I don't know, fashion, I guess, newer technology or whatever, but it's sort of the same idea, like, oh, here you go, you can live in this town and, and basically be a slave <laughs> for Google or Coca-Cola or whoever, McDonald's, McDonald's right. town. I guess I'd live in McDonald's town. <laughs> I know Ronald McDonald. If I was gonna pick one, I guess it'd be kind of scary, but I hope Grimace <laughs> isn't around. Uh, I don't know what that thing's all about. Um, yeah, and like with Allison McDowell talking about data colonies, I mean, it fits perfectly into that. If everything in your community is mapped out with the metaverse and this like geolocation tracking, Mm -hmm. I mean, then you can't escape. <laughs> like if you, it's like who's to say that you could actually just freely move throughout the world. I mean, I don't necessarily think you could. And with all these people with high military technology using this stuff, again, with human trafficking, it seems like if there's no 
real constitutions and there's no real there's no nations in place it seems like it would lend itself to more human trafficking than um say like the current system that we have in place so that's just kind of the thing that i just want people to be aware of is you know it might suck like the situation that we're living in now but just think about how much worse it could be if like peter thiel was running your country i mean he kind of already is because you know he's working with the cia but like beyond that you know even more so it's just um very disturbing so it's it's just a lot to consider and you know blockchain like it's it sounds like an exciting thing there's always people getting into it from an investor's perspective it's great i mean like you know it's a little bit volatile but um, I could see why people would be excited about it. However, yeah, the technology itself, it's highly questionable as to, you know, whether or not it could actually be used for good. Because again, like I call in the question why it's even necessary in the first place. You know, if you're, if you're trying to get back. Yeah. To the is is it necessary? Forward, no, it isn't. Right. <laughs> it's not. So I just can't think of a better way to establish total control than to have everything that you do logged onto the blockchain so like nothing you do is private and it's all and then you get social tokens like these people are promoting um platforms like hive.blog which basically is kind of like a social media network except that you know you get paid to post stuff so it's just like facebook where they're exploiting your data but i think now they're realizing well i don't know people are broke and they're not buying enough things that we're advertising to them so like maybe like we'll just make every we'll just um tokenize and um monetize every aspect of their life you know mm -hmm. um so and it's this whole fusion of the material with the digital and that's the thematic element that kind of runs through the whole like transhumanist enterprise um yeah. is again that that uh boundary breaking the singularity as kurzweil likes to call it um yeah. and so to me it just seems really shady and after all things considered it, it doesn't it doesn't add up quite right to me and so i don't have a conclusion or any advice to people but i guess maybe i do maybe if you're trying to do these things like i i you know our other friend i was mentioning this a little too like derek bros and all this stuff and he was like well he's just a speaker at the event right like is he really that big of a deal and in a way like you can sort of take it that way if you want like you can create these communities and you can kind of like take the idea and then like make it your own and not necessarily follow what derek bros you know has to say or, or any right. of the people at the greater reset um, but it does creep me out that there's so much military involved in it. And I think Allison has done a great job in exposing these people and the reactions to me are priceless. That's more priceless than anything. Cause it's like, okay, well then what, what are you people doing? Are you just gatekeepers? Like, are you people that really care for others? It doesn't sound like it. If you want to go exploit favelas, like not really. So, right. and I mean, Derek bros, like, Unfortunately, yeah, I'm not an expert on him. Um, I mean, I do know that he was involved in like local activism in Texas regarding like 5G stuff. And so, you know, it could be some sort of situation where there's there's someone who was at one point a genuine activist that's been co-opted or, you know, perhaps was placed there as a gatekeeper early on um or perhaps just has some kind of messed up ideas <laughs> like it's just it's kind of hard to like i can't prove yeah it's hard to say 
you know, but um, it just doesn't, I, I would just discourage people from idolizing these people. Like it's, mm -hmm. it, you can use their information to better your life and your knowledge of the world. Like that's great, but I would highly recommend looking into more sources. Like don't just stop there. Like maybe use that as a jumping off point, like Wikipedia, you know, as a jumping off point to do your own research or find other creators that are perhaps more small time, you know, like mm -hmm. Allison. Um, I think that's really the way to go, but like, it's, it's, it, it, once it gets to a point where, you know, people become personally defensive of these people, like that's kind of where, you know, you need to be cautious and, um, just not follow blindly, you know, whatever, uh, these people have to say.